you've probably experienced this already. There are some games that simply bore you, and they might never again get the privilege of your time. Then there are the games that you can play for hours and days on end, literally until you are too tired to stay awake. Sometimes you might not even admit to yourself that you're tired, but either when your in-game performance starts to suffer, or your body shuts down, you decide to call it a night. But why does this happen? A lot of it is down to personal preferences and needs, that's why we get addicted to specific games or genres. But at the same time, a lot of players are addicted to the same games. Think of the millions of players addicted to games such as Counter-Strike and other competitive first-person shooters, Battle Royale games, RPGs, MMOs, MOBAs, and everything else. There's something about these games that is universally appealing to millions of players. And it has to do with how these games have been built and the reactions or responses that are designed to create for us. Some games are designed to tap into our competitive sides, for example, battle royale games like PUBG, or other short time limited competitive games like Overwatch. Some are designed to satisfy our social needs and the human desire to belong to a group or a clan. So you've got games where you can join clans and be their leader, or trade, interact, and make friends with dozens of other people. Yet others give us intriguing storylines where you're the hero and people rely on you to do your part in their fictional life. And of course you want to help. Or even your real life teammates rely on you. And again you want to prove your worth, your skill and your contribution. And that gives you a sense of personal fulfillment and growth. And most modern games are so immersive that they can allow you to escape your outside reality and be more or less worry free while you play. These mechanisms are well thought out, down to the smallest level. If you ever looked into game design, you might know that games have to follow specific patterns and game mechanics, otherwise the game is either lacking a pattern that can be followed, or is just plain boring. And some of these mechanics are levels, which exist in any game, even in RPG or open world games, but might be named chapters, missions, or be delimited areas with enemies of increased difficulty. There are goals or tasks, which are activities that you must perform to be rewarded or keep yourself engaged. And like we mentioned, sometimes these can imply emotional responses, such as helping someone in distress. There are challenges, which are activities that take practice or the development of a repetitive skill to complete. They often lead to either frustration or fulfillment. There are points-based systems, either within the game, such as multiplication scores and combos, or outside the game, such as competitive scores for the season, for example, League of Legends and ranks. These can sometimes decrease if you're inactive or at the end of specific periods. And finally, character or environment design that allows you to customize the world around you and express your personality. And just as some games could be boring if these elements are designed poorly, most top gaming companies hire extremely experienced game designers whose sole purpose it is to perfect each of these elements. And their result is a very playable or addictive video game. A game that you can come back to every single day without getting bored. Or even come back to it a long time afterwards to replay it. Because it was so good the first time around. In other words, a game with what we call a high addiction factor. Now the game addiction factor is a simple tool that was developed by a member of our community, Leo Berker. Which you can use to score all the different games you encounter. The addiction factor can be seen as a scale from 1 to 100 on which you use to score any game that you might be addicted to or have problems with. As an example, 
I'll be using the numbers and reasons that Leo gave me from his own personal experience, but you can and should give this a go with your own games. And so the example we're using here is Overwatch, and Leo gave this a score of 87. And using this addiction model, you know which games are most addictive and bring about the most cravings, triggering your gaming addiction. So then you know which ones to protect yourself from. So if a friend invites you to play Overwatch just for the night, Leo knows that he has to refuse because it could eventually lead to him spiraling back into his video game addiction. And it's important to point out that these scores are individual because of all the elements we've previously discussed, each game affects an individual differently. First, how well a game matches our current partially unfulfilled needs. And these relate to competition, social connection, escape from real life and growth or fulfillment or a sense of accomplishment. And the more needs a game fulfills, the more addicting it becomes to each individual. To continue with the Overwatch example above, here's what Leo said about the game using his direct quotes. A competition, he scored 23 out of 25, and he was matching this need because, as he says, I didn't have anything competitive in my personal life. The 6v6 matches in Overwatch are highly competitive and require skill improvement and constant adaptations to new heroes and new team compositions. Social connection, 19 out of 25. It was a partial match for him as he had a girlfriend at the time and friends that he shared common hobbies with, but because the game required communication and collaboration in order to win, the game fulfilled this need so well, and he could go on playing for days or weeks without needing to see his friends in real life. Escaping from real life, this scored 23 out of 25, and this was a big factor drawing Leo back into the game regularly. Without getting too much into the details, a lot of his plans and dreams were failing, and he didn't see any way to fix the situation. He tried to process the loss consciously and logically, but the pain was still there. And while he was gaming, he was so immersed, he didn't have to think about any of those problems. Finally, growth, he scored 22 out of 25. And he said this was a mixed one, because even though he knew very well that this would not give him growth in his personal life and get any of his plans back on track, it still gave him a feeling of satisfaction. Every time he would have good teamwork or get through a new rank, he inevitably had a sense of personal accomplishment. These other plans crashed and burned, even though he worked super hard, but at least he was still good at something and appreciated by his team for his contribution. And this leads to a total score of 87 out of 100. And this is just an example, and you can score video games without breaking it into categories, but we found that this is a really effective and easy way for you to break down exactly why video games are addictive for you. Now so far we have two main elements that increase the likelihood of a game being addictive. The quality of the game design and game mechanics the game design has put out and how well the game matches our partially fulfilled or unfulfilled needs. However, it doesn't stop there. Game companies have developed hooking tactics to get you to log in on a daily basis or at least a weekly basis in order to get free rewards that are genuinely cool or valuable. Rewards that you would otherwise have to pay for in the game or in the form of loot boxes. For example, skins for your character or guns, emotes and sprays. Now, these designs come at a cost to the companies and they're willing to give them to you for free if they can manage to hook you back into the game. If these free bonuses wouldn't prove profitable in the long term, companies wouldn't spend their money simply so you can spray your remote over an enemy after you kill them. 
I guarantee it won't be long before they monetize teabagging as well. So even if you're busy, have hobbies you enjoy, or projects that you need to complete, they don't care. They'll use as many tactics as they can to make you jump back in the game regularly to win something. Or, as with many popular mobile games, not logging in will make you lose progress, like in Farmville or Candy Crush. They expect you to have unlimited willpower to resist all of these tactics, and so sometimes the only realistic way to resist is to delete the game and go on with your life, because we all know we don't have unlimited willpower. Gaming has become a multi-billion dollar business, and a global phenomenon. There's over 2.5 billion people playing, and businesses have been pushed further in developing tactics to get players gaming and increase profitability. Is simply a reality in any business that reaches critical mass. So these businesses penetrate our environment through ads on YouTube, at the cinema, in airports, everywhere, spending not millions but billions of dollars on ads yearly that they know they'll get back financially. An estimated $5 billion has been spent in 2020, up from $4.5 billion in 2019. And as part of our addiction model that we've created at Game Quitters, We've identified four main elements that increase your individual likelihood to be addicted to a game, as well as increasing the addiction factor. If you want to check out this model, go to the link to our blog in the description, and it'll have all the information you need over there. But going from external to internal, the core components of this model are your external environment, which could be a lack of stimulation, it could be dangerous, too demanding, or even stumbling upon gaming ads, discounts, or even music. Next, there are the hooking tactics, which are daily or weekly rewards, scores and seasons that are dependent on you playing, or free skins and emotes to keep you coming back. Then there's the game mechanics and design, which are the rewards and how frequent they are, the satisfaction of the game, the immersion, the beautiful graphics and game environment, your ability to customise your weapons, and so on. And finally, there's the unfulfilled or partially fulfilled needs. The usual suspects, competition, escape, social connection, and growth. We beat ourselves up for relapsing. We tell ourselves we're weak, that we don't have a strong will, but in reality we're fighting a well-oiled machine that's using five billion dollars per year and thousands of employees to design a virtual or digital paradise that generates instant satisfaction where we are, whenever we are, at the touch of a button. Yes, we have to continue making efforts in being in control of our addiction, but we should be kinder to ourselves when we do relapse. You're not always entirely to blame. So finally, your quick task today is to make a list of the games that you want and score them each with an addiction factor. Go through the processes we mentioned, go through each need and how it fulfills each one. And once you've got a total score for a few games, or even just one, send me an email, james at gamequitters.com, with your results. I'm genuinely fascinated to find out what you guys came up with. And if you're struggling with gaming addiction, remember that you can reach out to us and our community at gamequitters.com. We're here to help each other, we're here to help you, and we'll get through this together. Now just to finish up, I'd like to mention this episode was written and submitted by a member of our community, Leo Berger. He came up with this addiction model yourself, and it's a really fascinating insight into the way that it works, and helps clarify some of the details as to why some games are more addictive than others. You can find him at leoberker.com and all the relevant links will be in the description for you to check out. But as always, thanks for watching and if you enjoyed, don't forget to leave a rating and review and subscribe to our podcast because it really helps us out and I'll see you in the next episode.
Peace.